In what is one of the most creative activities in the human sphere, why do we outsource our creativity to others? Over the past 40 years or more, I have spent countless hours and thousands of pounds buying, reading and trying to use the untold prescriptions for role-playing available on the market. And not one of them has matched my needs or desires for very long. In her groundbreaking book, The Creativity Leap, Natalie Nixon proposes an approach to work and life that is based on her 3i creativity model, inquiry, improvisation, intuition. She proposes that we ask better questions, improvise more freely and open up to being guided by our intuition. This resonates with me at a deep level. I am deeply disillusioned with the industry of role-playing games because I feel as though the parameters of our play are being diminished. As I've pushed out to the edges, going beyond the accepted wisdom of the regular kind of game, I've discovered that what I'm looking for doesn't yet exist. The first step was to begin to ask better questions of what we're doing, and there are great many questions that I'm still wrestling with, even after 370 or more episodes of this podcast. But the next step, once I've begun to overcome my anxiety and self-doubt, has been to begin to improvise and experiment. This, in turn, has reopened the way to listening to my intuition, and that is where I'm beginning to see the jumping-off point for something much more like the vision I have for my own gaming. Staying with the pack is safe. It's true that there are many creative people out there ready to sell you their way of doing things, hoping to convince you that this next rulebook or setting is just what you need. And for most of us, that's probably just great. But for me, as time goes on, the purchases are bringing me less and less. The desire for the kind of entertaining, exciting and open gaming that I'm seeking grows. And the truth is that, at some point, I'm going to have to either step up and realise it, or step out and do something else. Hey, it's Che, and this is Roleplay Rescue. Today, I have a short rant on something I am calling the Blended Entity. Today, I'm going over the edge. The first time I heard John's Tale of the Manticore podcast, I was hooked. Tale of the Manticore is a mashup, a hybrid between a dark fantasy audio drama and a solo D&D RPG. When I spoke to John way, way back in Season 7, Episode 18, he told me about how he'd been looking for an actual play role-playing podcast that was both serious in tone and created with high production values. He couldn't quite find what he wanted, so yeah, John created Tale of the Manticore. He also, by the way, created the theme for Roleplay Rescue, so big thank you for that, John, but I do digress. 
I don't quite know where I first came across the idea, but it has been bouncing around my head for months and months and months that if you can't find the book you want to read, go ahead and write it. I think that for me, I have arrived at the point where it's either time to design the RPG system for me and to simply go ahead and play it, or to get off the merry-go-round and settle for something that's almost the fit. For a while now, I've been adapting to GURPS, and as far as rule systems go, this has been a good fit in a lot of ways, but GURPS isn't prescriptive. It doesn't tell you how to play. In other words, GURPS doesn't provide a methodology or a world, and RPGs need more than rules. RPGs are built to be played with characters who inhabit a living imaginary world, and they are enhanced when the GM and the players have a working, consistent methodology. Back in the earliest days of the hobby, the basic game structures and methodologies were developed and shared, but in more recent years, published games generally leave a lot of this stuff out of the rulebooks. What's left is often a confusing and contradictory mess of half-understood bits and pieces. The general assumption is that GMs know how to do this stuff and players pick it up from players they learn to play with. Thanks to the past three years or so of podcasting, I think I've managed to sort out a lot of the puzzle pieces and even rearrange some of them into tools that I can use at the table. The real trick is to discover the bigger picture, to put the pieces together in a coherent and complete manner. In my mind, this game that I'm wanting to play is a blended entity, a mashup between many different elements of play that I think can be assembled into something greater than the sum of its parts. This episode is an improvisation. It's a rant about the ideas as I see them sitting here today. It's my starting point as I push out into the unknown, over the edge, seeking the promised land of my own fantastic role-playing experience. This will be rough and it might not work, but that, as they say, is the essence of art. Doing work that seeks to make things better, but which might not work. I give you fair warning, this episode is off-script, improvised, and much rougher than usual, but whether it works or not, It's going to be a rush. What if I built my own house system based on a blend of ideas from across the hobby? To have a role-playing game, I think you need at least three things. The first of those things is a solid and, to my mind, pretty straightforward resolution mechanism, or at least a group of mechanisms. And the two that are most useful are some kind of way of resolving whether a character has succeeded or failed at a task, and also some kind of way of tracking the level of injury sustained. Well, at least if there's any risk of injury in your game. For me, at the moment, the best and simplest resolution mechanisms I've come across, and which are really solid, have come from the GURPS game system. 3D6 Roll Low has a really great resonance for me because I love the bell curve. I love the idea that a 10 or less is a 50% chance, and I can kind of get my head around how the rest distributes. I also like the D6 plus add system from GURPS, the idea that you're just going to roll D6 dice in multiples and add numbers or subtract numbers from them to get a damage value, and that's usually rolling high. So on the surface of it, it looks like 
yeah, I could be pretty happy playing GURPS. Except that GURPS is a very, very detailed game. The game that I'm wanting to run will probably vary each time I run it. And so, yeah, I need to bring the GURPS rule set and be prepared to tweak it to fit my vision. But you know what? I've discovered GURPS doesn't actually give you the other two things that you need to play a role-playing game. The first of those things is a world. Just think about it. You can't really have a player character without a context within which that player character is going to have, first of all, been created and come into being, and secondly, to go out and exist. The worlds of those two situations, by the way, could be very different. You could have a character created in one world who goes to another one, but that's a whole different subgenre of role-playing. My main point is this. You need to think about the world before you think about pretty much anything else. Or at least, that's the way I feel about it. I know that there's a whole kind of subculture of role players out there who think of the setting and the world as just kind of an add-on to the actual action of play. But for me, it all makes sense when you get the context right. Questions about whether there's magic in this world, whether there's cybernetics in this world, whether there's high technology, low technology, what's the culture like, what's the government system like, who's in charge, who's at the top, who's at the bottom, where do these player characters fit in, all of those things, to me, are central to the experience. And so, yeah, the next thing is world. And I don't have much of a problem with that. I have plenty of ideas for gaming worlds. But the third element is the bit that's generally left out of most role-playing games these days. It is the question of methodology. And that's kind of what I want to talk about in a little bit more detail. One of the best things that the Northern Isles experiment has taught me in recent weeks is that I really enjoy play-as-you-build character creation mechanisms. Back in the day, I really enjoyed Traveller, the classic Traveller, where you rolled up your character and it was pretty much random, but you took yourself through a guided process of choosing a career and then seeing how long you could survive within that career before mustering out as a full-fledged Traveller, an adventurer. In recent weeks, I've been mucking around with a game system called Imagine, and that has a beautiful subsystem in one of its supplements, which is all about guiding players through the earliest periods of their character's existence and kind of fleshing out the details. But one of the most wonderful elements in that system has been asking the player in role as their character to resolve various situations that come up during their youth. So, for example... Let's imagine a very young child, say five or six years old, breaking something that belongs to their parents. It's a moral dilemma, and you place the player in their character in that situation, and you ask them, how do they deal with it? When we did this in the Northern Isles game to set up the characters, it became a really rich exploration, going from very earliest days of you know birth of the character and into the very earliest days of youth, all the way through the teenage years and out towards adulthood, somewhere between 18 and 21 years old in the world of the Northern Isles. And along the way, there were processes that we were using which threw up different moral dilemmas for characters to be challenged with. What the players told me is they got a really good idea of who their character was long before they got into the main play in a traditional sense. Of course, what we are really doing is just moving the idea of play further forward in the process. 
For the longest time, I've really, really hated the idea that players have in their head that basically you knock up a character and then you begin play. For me, knocking up a character isn't something that you should be doing. You should be creating a character and that act of creation is the beginning of play. One of the things that Traveller taught me way back in 1977-78 was that actually the character creation process is going to teach the players some of the truths of your game system. In Traveller, you learned how to roll two dice and the 2D die roll becomes the basic mechanism for the rest of the system. But it also teaches you about risk and reward, which is at the heart of what the Traveller game universe actually presents this idea that the more risk you take the greater the potential reward but of course also the greater the risk i love this kind of mechanism i love this idea that you can build a character through play discover who your character is through play and actually deepen your sense of who you are playing through the action of making decisions that's the essence of role playing and i think we should be moving it as far back into the process as early into the process as we possibly can and so the first element of methodology that i want to bring into my broader game system is this idea as players you build character creation i've got a whole load of ideas about that which i'm putting together as we speak and yeah i look forward to sharing those with players going forward once you've got characters i think it's really worth looking at the fundamental game structures that role-playing games have offered us there are four that i know of that work really really well and three of them come from the earliest days of dungeons and dragons back in 1974 the most basic and fundamental game structure is of course combat most games have a subsystem for combat it's a little bit more detailed usually a little bit more rigorous because the stakes are very very high characters can die that isn't always the case but it is in my gaming one of the things I enjoy the most. So the first game structure I want to include is, of course, combat scenes. From there, I love to explore, and the location crawl was the fundamental basis of Dungeons & Dragons back in the day, and it remains to this day. The idea is you have a map of a location which breaks down into lots of rules, which breaks down into lots of rooms and passageways, and the players get to explore it. They get to wander around and fiddle with things. I think actually the very best versions of this include lots of things for players to do in every location. Probably at least three things to fiddle with in every room. And it's a really easy game structure to run for any GM. And it's a really easy game structure for any player to get your head around because of two fundamental truths. It's really obvious what your options are. If you don't know what else to do, you can pick a direction and go in it. And of course, the dungeon always had the default goal of finding treasure. Exploration always implies that there's something to find. And I think setting your games up around this idea of going and finding cool things is, well, a really simple and powerful idea. Of course, Dungeons & Dragons eventually came out of the dungeons and into the wilderlands, into the wildernesses, what returning to the Wilderlands of High Adventure has taught me in recent weeks is the real joy of the hex crawl, or what I might prefer to call the map crawl, just so I don't feel bound by the idea of hexagons on a piece of paper. The fundamental structure here is that the players pick a direction and they go exploring, and each area of the map has something interesting with which to go and explore. It's just an extension of the location crawl, but perhaps a little bit woollier in terms of default goal. 
Searching for treasure can work really well for this, and that's what the classic fantasy game does. But I do think that just knowing what you're looking for... I mean, in a post-apocalyptic game, for example, it could be good to find supplies. You'd be looking for food, water, and ammunition. In a science fiction game, it may be you're trying to track down a series of different items. It doesn't really particularly matter what the details of that are. The structure is what I want to focus on. The idea that you are collecting the things that you need and you'll find them in the wilderness out there on the map. The last of the classic four game structures came in about 1982 with the Call of Cthulhu role-playing game, which of course is the mystery game. And this structure is a little bit more complicated, but basically lends itself well to having a series of either people or places to go and explore, and then a bunch of clues that you assemble, each of which points you to the next thing that you need to look at. The best development of this particular game structure is actually that explained by the Alexandrian using the three clue rule. In other words, that for every conclusion you want the players to come to, you make sure there are three clues pointing to it. And then the idea of scattering those clues around a node-based structure. Nodes are just either people or places that have the clues that you need. I think the idea here is that the clues lead you to other people and places that you can then find more clues and ultimately you build up the whole picture and solve the mystery. I love it. It's been a lot of fun to muck around with in the last couple of years. And while I'm a little bit more of a neophyte in the development of a mystery structure, I do recommend it. What I think these basic structures give you is the basis for a free form learn as you play methodology what i mean is that the gm doesn't have to do a lot of prep to get going and then it's really easy to iterate to add to each of these types of game structure bit by bit so for example with combat well it's easy to add another fight okay that's not necessarily the most exciting but we are talking about basic game structures here if all else fails adding a few mooks with swords or guns is always a good laugh but going a little bit deeper, in the dungeon, you can add another level. On the map, well, you can extend the map a little bit further and add some more locations. And with the mystery, there's nothing to stop you adding some clues that point to another mystery. So this stuff is always extensible, ever rich, and pretty easy to prep bit by bit. What I love is this kind of frees up the GM to prep a bit less per session, but also focus a little bit more on the process of adjudication and making everything fun at the table. So now the basic elements are in place. We've got our core rule system, we've got our world, and we've got some great game structures that are going to help us to structure the game. What I wanted to add next in my blended entity is a series of little tools that basically make it easy for me to be a GM at the table. The first of those is the idea of a scenario recipe. What I mean here is creating mini structured skeletal situations which can be quickly customized for play. I'm inspired here at the level of the location crawl, for example, by the classic five room dungeon, which was first proposed, I think, by John Four. I also think you can do some great node-based quests that are structured around point crawling across a map. I suppose that the most kind of adventurous, if you'll pardon the pun, version of this might be to come up with short mysteries that interlock. But I think that the core idea is we could easily knock up a whole series of basic recipes 
which can be easily customized by the individual GM or reused by a GM like me in lots and lots of different ways. I think that if you've got a particular map, for example, you can skin it to whatever genre and world you need it to fit. And also just by kind of changing what's in what room, you can create a wide variety of interesting adventures. The second element is the use of the random table, which I think will probably go quite well with the scenario recipe. But the idea is that GM prep is being channeled into creating and working with a range of random content, which is designed to sort of throw up interesting situations. My personal preference is to do this kind of rolling before the session and come up with ideas during my prep, which reduces the mental load when I'm absolutely shattered after a full day of work. But you could easily use them at the table. What I'm thinking of here is perhaps the Tim Shorts-inspired style of multi-part encounter tables, wherein there are multiple tables. You know, like there is a, what is the creature? But also, what are they doing and what cool stuff do they have? I think that gives a far bigger range of interesting and exciting combinations than a simple roll on a one-column table. Finally, the big element I wanted to bring in is a deepening of the reaction table. Whilst I always enjoyed the classic D&D reaction table, just deciding whether the creatures are hostile or friendly or something in between, and GURPS has something very, very similar, but in a little bit more granularity, one of the things I've been really interested in lately is the blend between solo gaming tools, which determine NPCs' actions and reactions and throw up kind of interesting situations, and also some of the tables that have been created for some war games. For example, the stuff by Two Hour War Games, which very much allows the player to run a game solo but which at the table could equally throw up interesting situations for a gm to you know riff off of coming back to my original kind of opening point in this podcast one of the things i want to develop is my improvisational skills but i think you kind of want a balance between like the wonder of whatever pops into my head and the rigor of having some kind of structure to base that on. The worst moments are when I'm sitting there in the game session, I know I need to improvise something and my mind goes blank. Random tables, reaction tables and scenario recipes to me sound like a really good bunch of tools which give me the rigor to approach the table with confidence and at the same time the flexibility to improvise with a sense of jazzing it up, if that's the right metaphor. Now, one final point. What I'm not talking about here is publishing my own game. What I'm talking about is bringing these various tools together at the gaming table for myself and then perhaps sharing with you guys the experiences that I have, what works and what doesn't work, and recommending the various bits that you could use to augment and improve your own gaming experience. Because I do think that the standard game is great, Don't get me wrong, I just crave something deeper. And so that's it. That's the end of the ramble. That's the end of my improvised chat around what I'm looking for. So I'm curious what you make of it all. Whether you think I've just gone entirely crazy or whether there might be something in there that's useful to you. Either way, you know what? I think it's time for me to double down and really work out the way I really want to play. Thanks for listening. Perhaps you'll let me know what you think. Hey, hey, Jason here. Just listen to 1013, Roleplay Rescue. I really like the direction of the show. I like, you, you know, you had initially, you were welping, helping people get back into the hobby. And now as people get back into the hobby, 
when they hit roadblocks, you're helping them overcome those roadblocks. I, I think it's positive and a great thing. Keep up the great work, my friend. This is Anthony calling from the Casting Shadows podcast. I just wanted to thank you for this episode where you talk about war games with your father. It was fantastic. I listened and enjoyed every minute of it. I'm quite envious of this connection that you have with your dad. I particularly appreciated hearing his thoughts on a variety of different games, why he bought them, and uh, what he was looking for, and how that may have changed over time, and you know, surprises about uh, the development of of the hobby, such as you know, the, the maps getting too big for practical use and stuff like that. It's all really interesting to hear it firsthand, and uh, and also how that started you on your way. So thanks again for sharing. I really, really liked the episode. Thank you, Jason, and thank you, Anthony, for the very generous feedback. It's always great to get those kind of calls where people are being enthusiastic and positive. I appreciate it deeply. I'm also really glad, especially, that Anthony managed to feel like the conversation with my dad resonated for him. I think it was, for me, a quite emotional experience, actually, and Dad and I have actually managed to connect in a way we haven't perhaps in a long while, and it was really rich. So, yeah, I'm glad it worked for you, too. On the subject of call-ins, I have recently made a change that I need to make you all aware of. This podcast has been moved away from Anchor to a platform called Acast, and if everything's gone to plan, nobody would have noticed much in the way of change because all of your podcatchers will just have picked up the show and continue to do so. One of the side effects of moving away from Anchor, though, is that I no longer have access to the Anchor Messages system, and so I set up a SpeakPipe account, which allows for a 90-second call-in, a minute and a half instead of just a minute, and is available via speakpipe.com slash roleplayrescue. The easiest way to get to it, actually, if you want to call in, is to go to roleplayrescue.com, my blog, and hit the appropriate button up on the top right-hand side of the screen. Anyway, I hope you don't mind that change. It was really important to me for a number of reasons to keep this podcast on an independent platform and out of the hands of Spotify. Thank you once again to the callers. I hope you'll also consider sharing your thoughts for a future show. So that's it for another week. Big thank you once again for showing up and listening. I hope that you found something useful or interesting, even amongst my mad improvised ramblings. Thanks again to John from Tale of the Manticore for all the theme music and the stingers. I do hope that you'll go and check out his show, Tale of the Manticore. All that's left is for me to wish you all the very best and please stay safe. My name is Che Webster. This is Roleplay Rescue. See you again next time. Game on.